For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to our college football editor, Stuart Mandel, about the pending, well, upcoming Pac-12 football season that gets going this weekend. Some scary stuff, though, across college football. We saw a game canceled between Wisconsin and Nebraska, the first college football game with a total cancellation this past weekend due to positive COVID-19 tests with the Wisconsin Badgers and, of course, their head coach, Paul Christ. We've also seen Trevor Lawrence, maybe the best football player in all of college football, go down with COVID-19. He's got a quarantine for 10 days now, and his game against Notre Dame is in jeopardy. All stuff we're going to talk about, as well as the release of the college football bowl schedule that got dropped on Friday with our own Stuart Mandel. It's Monday, November 2nd. Pleasure now to welcome in our college football editor, Stuart Mandel. And Stuart, as we record this now, I'm looking up and they have released... The bowl schedule, which you noted on Twitter, uh, kind of a fun thing that we're going to get a bowl game on the same day, December 19th, as some of the conference championship games. I think it's the Frisco Bowl, and then we run straight through the national championship. No breaks for the bowl schedule this year. Maybe a little bit of saving grace and positivity in the college football world. Yeah, I thought maybe they were going to try to push more of the games to January, you know, before the national title game. But clearly, I think there's a lot of people who just want to get the season over with as soon as possible and not have to keep doing daily testing and all those things so you know those early bowl games are usually a group of five teams they're not playing for a conference championship so they can get some of those out of the way pretty quickly but there will be teams that'll probably go straight from their last regular season game and then a week later they're playing in a bowl game and i was looking at the bowl schedule and they have that little asterisk down there that says uh you know all bowl games scheduled to change i'm like yeah or or be canceled entirely. That's kind of what we're facing right now. We had the first cancellation in the college football season, Wisconsin against Nebraska because of, of COVID protocols. They've got to shut down for a period of time here. The concerns around college football, we knew this was going to happen, and we knew that they were going to try to get a season in. And you said maybe now they're trying to sprint to the end to make sure they can get this whole thing in. But I wonder about the legitimacy of a champion this year and how it's going to reflect on the college football landscape if a team wins their conference and doesn't have to play their full schedule. And to this point, the conferences that started in September haven't had to deal with that because they gave themselves enough flexibility to reschedule games. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 are starting so late, they didn't build any bye weeks in. And so here we have the Wisconsin-Nebraska games just not going to get played. Certainly Wisconsin's game against Purdue is in jeopardy. So, I mean, I think those conferences face a challenge already and that they're playing fewer games. I mean, if Wisconsin has, who is only going to play nine games to begin with, can only play seven, I just think that that eliminates any chance that that team had of competing for the college football playoff. And now in terms of the conference itself, I think there are hope that Wisconsin is not the one who wins the division because there'll be people who are very angry that they didn't get a chance to play them. From a big picture standpoint, you look at teams and schools like the Big 12, and you mentioned there are conferences like the SEC that have not had to deal with the same thing that their Big 10 counterparts or that their Pac-12 counterparts have had to deal with quite yet, and the Pac-12 gets going uh, at the end of this week. I'm wondering, as far as teams like Texas, who's lost, Oklahoma, a couple there, have they already opened the door for maybe teams that were looking on the outside or maybe trying to squeeze themselves in, or, or a Pac-12 team who's going to play seven games? Do they now have a, a crack where they could maybe find themselves in a CFP? People have different opinions on that. I find it hard to imagine how even a 7-0 and team could get picked over, for instance, let's say the second-best SEC team is 9-1 and or even 10-1, and you know, having played a pretty tough schedule, having played a conference-only schedule. And it doesn't help the Pac-12, obviously, that there's skepticism to begin with. That conference hasn't had a team in the playoffs since 2016. I mean, in the original schedule, Oregon would have had a chance to 
prove itself against Ohio State and Washington against Michigan, and they just don't have those. So it's going to be subjective. It's going to be probably pretty maddening for people. The committee is going to have to use the eye test. But I think the Pac-12's only hope is if everybody else out there has two losses in terms of the other available teams. It sort of makes you wonder, like when you look at a, a Pac-12 schedule, Brian, my producer, and I have joked about this before, he's a big a Hawaii football fan or a big Hawaii sports fan, and we were looking back at like the year Colt Brennan had years ago when they went undefeated, they were clamoring to get into the old BCS championship, and it's like, yeah, you're 11-0, and but you're Hawaii, you haven't really played anybody. Is that kind of what the CFP committee would maybe look at for this year, even with an Oregon who's coming in ranked number 14, USC coming in at number 21, they're really just playing for a Pac-12 title. I mean, even though they say they don't pay attention to preseason polls, they do, and they know that Oregon won the Rose Bowl last year and, and, and you know, is a, is a really good program. So it's not like they're going to throw that out, I don't think. I just think that at the end of the day, you have to convince not just yourselves but the public why this is one of the four best teams. And I just don't know what the argument would be for a USC or Oregon. You know, the committee loves to talk about wins over top 25 teams, and there's just a lot more opportunities for that in the Big Ten and the SEC and even in the Big 12 than there are in the Pac-12 right now. So I guess the question I I would ask then to counter that would be, in recent years, the two lost teams have had a much more difficult time getting into the CFP. And there was the whole case a few years back where the Big 12 did not have a conference championship. They tried to go with the the co-champion thing, and the committee said, no, 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 that's not good enough. You've got to have an actual champion. Are we going to see now a little bit more leniency, you think, just because of that strength of schedule where a non conference champion or maybe two non-conference champions end up in the CFP? Well, they're going to have to recalibrate for the fact that, I mean, SEC teams are going to have worse records than they would have originally. Instead of getting to pass their schedule with three automatic wins, they're playing 10 conference games. And a team that might have gone 11-1 and might go 8-2. and And they're going to have to, you know, judge those teams accordingly. That's where I get back to that thing about top 25 wins. That is something they often cite, you know, on that last day of the season. And it's possible that, you know, in the SEC in particular, like Texas A&M could lose two games and still beat three top 25 teams. And it's how do you weigh that against the team in the Pac-12 that maybe goes undefeated but beats one top 25 team? You know, this is an absolutely unprecedented, impossible situation. And whatever they come up with, nobody will agree with it. It beats the computer. I always think about that, you know, 35, 40 years from now, telling our kids, yeah, they used to just punch it into a computer and it would tell us who the, the championship game was. That was the way we did it. And now there's no perfect science. I guess this is what we wanted. We wanted a panel, I guess, or or some way to determine it without just two teams. As the Pac-12 gets ready to get going, there have been so many different uh, rules, I guess, or parameters they've had to follow based on having four teams in California. It took them a while and just three weeks ago, really, is when they sort of set this thing to go for the seven-game schedule. How have you felt? We find out Trevor Lawrence uh, has got COVID-19. He's got to quarantine for 10 days ahead of that Notre Dame game, and that's sort of in jeopardy for him. How have you felt sort of big picture-wise on how college football and the different conferences have handled this situation to this point? I mean, it's been uncomfortable. Nobody, you know, me personally, I'm, I'm not thrilled when I went about Florida having 30-something players test positive, even if they're all mild or not, or not symptomatic. You just don't want that many people to be spreading that virus. But to this point, we haven't heard any evidence of like teams fudging the numbers or certainly haven't heard anybody knowingly putting a, a, a contagious player out on the field. I think the sobering thing for the Pac-12 is that, you know, the whole reason that the president felt comfortable coming back was the daily antigen tests that weren't necessarily available a couple months ago. And these conferences are playing now, they're only testing three times a week. 
you know, we're going to do it every day, rapid response, and that's how we'll prevent outbreaks. Well, the Big Ten's doing the same thing, and guess what? First, they didn't make it into week two without a team having an outbreak that caused them to shut down. So that's got to be pretty alarming for the Pac-12 because you're only playing seven games to begin with. If somebody has to cancel two of them, that's going to feel like a very, almost like an exhibition season. College sports is where you would assume this would happen or where you'd think this would happen. And I hate even having that in the back of my head that you've got to mix now the health of a player with the character of a coach or some boosters or an athletic director. But you're right. We haven't knowingly seen a contagious student walk onto the field. I do wonder about this Trevor Lawrence situation. The spotlight is on him. They view him as the top prize to get in the NFL draft next year. Dabo Swinney really wanted to get back on the field to play football. He's going to be right up against that deadline or that parameter for 10 days in quarantine before that Notre Dame game. Your thoughts on how Clemson may handle this? And I think every football fan sits back and goes, well, yeah, they're going to clear him to play. But just what's your perspective on that? It's going to be a very interesting test case because, like you said, I mean, the 10-day isolation, in the best case, I believe, would end on Thursday before the game or maybe the Friday before the game. But is he really going to go straight from his apartment to playing the number four team in the country on national television? Teams that have dealt with this to this point have done some sort of acclimation period. Like they come out of quarantine, but then they need two or three days to acclimate before they feel comfortable putting them into a game. Are they going to ignore that for Trevor Lawrence, that he's available for the Notre Dame game? Or are they going to exercise caution and keep him out, even if it means you might lose to Notre Dame now because you don't have the best player in the country? It's a crazy test case, and I don't want to believe that they would do it, but it's so crazy how the timeline of COVID has gone, right, from Rudy Gobert and the NBA getting it to us being worried about Tom Hanks, and now we're like, man, can Trevor Lawrence play in 10 days? Is he going to be out there to play against Notre Dame? So we'll monitor all of that, man. But thanks so much for the time today, Stuart. We appreciate you, man. Fun little look into college football. All right. Thanks so much. Well, we don't get tons of opportunities to talk college football here in the Bay Area, but I think college football fans here are excited to have the Pac-12 back. It's just a little bit worrisome about whether or not they can get through this season without major health concerns, and I just don't know that that's possible. Outside of playing in a bubble, we have not seen that done at the college level. As I mentioned, Wisconsin and Nebraska had to cancel their game last week, and now you talk about delegitimizing maybe a Big Ten title. The Big 12, though, with a couple of losses early, may have opened the door for an undefeated Pac-12 team All of that hangs in the balance, and we'll monitor as the Pac-12 gets going this week. Thank you to Stuart. Thank you to Brian, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. Always fun talking sports with you here in the Bay Area. And a nice little look into the college football landscape. Later this week, the 49ers play Thursday night football at Levi Stadium. They've beaten the Packers the last two times they came to town. Both times national TV the last time in the NFC Championship at Levi Stadium last season. It's a fun football week here on The Update. Enjoy the week. We will talk to you on Wednesday.